All right, turn to 2 John, <clears throat> the book of 2 John. <clears throat> 2 John, we'll be looking at verses 4 through 6 this evening. But last Sunday, um, as we met to look, or we began our series in the books of 2 and 3 John, um, last Sunday, we noticed the elder's greeting and love to this church that he was writing to. And the first thing that we looked at was the context of this book in order to lay some groundwork. We saw last week that it appears John is writing to a local church. And I want to clarify from last week, though, um, that that's just my belief, that you can read some other commentaries uh, you can hear some other opinions from other pastors, and they think it's written to an individual uh, lady and her family. And so there's some disagreement, and uh, there's some debate about who the audience is. I don't think that the purpose of the letter changes, whether it's written to a family or to a church. I think the point is the same, uh, the importance of truth and love. And so you may read some differing opinions. Uh, and so I'd encourage you, don't just take my word for it, study it for yourself. Come up with your own uh, idea of who, you know, of what you believe, uh, you know, the context is of who John is writing to. And it's okay to have some disagreements about those things. Uh, but study it for yourself. If we're going to be noble like those in Berea, we need to study the Word of God for ourselves. And so that's just my, my belief is that it's written to a local church. And after the context, we noticed the elder's concern. He was concerned about truth and love. And we see a heavy emphasis on truth within the first four verses of 2 John. We see truth mentioned uh, five times. And so truth is a key subject, a key thing that John is addressing here. And John was concerned about the truth because it was under attack. Uh, there were enemies of the church, of believers that wanted to undermine, undermine the truth. Uh, he calls them antichrist. There are those who have gone out from the church, but they were not of the church. And now they're seeking to turn others away from the church, away from truth. And so we need to be armed with the truth. We need to know the truth and live by it. And finally, we noticed the conflict that John writes about. Well, it doesn't have to be a conflict, but sometimes that's the presumption, this, con this idea that there's a conflict between truth and love. Some believe that if you're going to love somebody, well, you need to maybe cover up the truth or don't be so bold with the truth because it might be offensive. But that's not uh, being loving. Uh, but on the same hand, um, if we're going to be loving, we must be careful that we don't use the truth as a, a club in a harsh and a bitter attitude and spirit. We need to hold to the truth, uh, but in a spirit of love for others. And so John's point is that truth and love can, uh, they go together. They are not separate. And so we can be bold in the truth. We can be bold in our love for others. Uh, they can live together. And so that's what we looked at last Sunday. Tonight we're going to continue, and I want us to see the elder's joy and the elder's request. And as John is writing this letter, he starts out with the news that, makes, that made him happy. He wanted to praise the church um, for what he saw was positive. And this is common uh, in the New Testament and in some of the writings. Paul did this. He would start out writing his letters with praise for what they're doing right. And then he would get into the confrontation on what they were doing wrong and what they needed to work on. And that's what John is doing here. He 
uh, we're going to see he praises them for what he sees, uh, that they're doing right and that they're doing good, and he's, he's praising them to keep on doing that. He's encouraging them. By the way, if we want to edify others, sometimes if we're not careful, we can just bring the confrontation and not praise others for, for what they're doing right and for what they're being faithful in. And so if we want to have truly um, if effective edification, uh, it might be helpful to praise someone for what they're doing right before we confront them with what they need to work on. And that's what John is doing here. And so we're going to see what brings John great joy, uh, but also his request of the church. And these are things that should bring us joy. And this request is something that we need to practice in our own life, in our own church. And so Second uh, John Starting at verse 4, we'll read to verse 6 and then uh, pray against the message. Second John, starting at verse 4, says this, I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that... As ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day that we've had to be able to worship you together as a church. And Lord, I thank you for your word and for your truth. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as a church to know the truth, to be bold with the truth, Lord, but also to be walking in love for one another. As we'll see this evening, Lord, that's our command, uh, Lord, to live in love for one another. I pray that you'd help us now to put aside distracting thoughts. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to focus on your word, and I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this evening. May we be challenged. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be emptied of self, Lord, and filled with your spirit. I ask, Lord, that you'd work in this message as only you can. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that I want us to see is a pastor's passion. A pastor's passion. Again, John was an elder in the church, and this is, of course, a reference to his age. John was older and his probably in his 90s. Uh, he was the last living apostle. We saw that this is a, it was a unique position in the church. It does not exist today. You might see signs on some churches, apostle so-and-so. Uh, they're not apostles. Uh, John is the last living apostle. He spent time with Christ himself. He saw the resurrected Christ bodily, and Christ is the one who appointed him as an apostle and as his disciple. And so John, he had a very unique position as an apostle, somebody who received direct rev revelation from God and recorded it through inspiration of the Holy Spirit as instruction for all believers. Uh, and so John has a unique authority here, but uh, he also has the same heart that uh, a pastor would have for a church. And that's why he's writing these letters, because he's concerned about these churches and their spiritual well-being. And so John's passion is the same as any godly pastor's passion for the church over which God has made them an overseer. Uh, there are some who will call themselves pastors. They do not have this passion that we will see. And often they are over congregations that are falling apart spiritually. Often these churches are large and filled with people, but the people do not uh, have a love for the truth because the pastor has not emphasized a love for the truth. Uh, and so they are empty spiritually. But a pastor that loves the Lord is going to have this passion. And this passion is what made John rejoice greatly. We see this in verse 4. I rejoiced greatly. Uh, it says, 
He rejoiced greatly because he found them walking, the children of this church walking in the truth. They knew the truth, and they were living their lives according to the truth. Uh, they knew the truth, and they were allowing the truth to shape them, to shape their decisions, to help them become more like Christ. They were growing in the truth. Again, there was, there was an attack uh, against the truth by these false teachers, by these antichrists. Uh, but there were those in this church that John says he rejoiced greatly because he found them walking in the truth. And he was passionate about that. It made him rejoice. He was excited to hear that they had been faithful. And so he says that he found of the children walking in the truth. That word found there has the idea of finding something um, after looking for it for a while. Uh, you've been searching for it, and he found it. What he's saying here is that not everyone in the church was walking in the truth. He had to look, and then he found some children walking in the truth. Some had reverted back to darkness, to the ways of this world. They had given in to these false teachers, to these antichrists, and many, or some in the church, had gone astray, or they were uh, on the verge of leaving the church. They were on the verge of leaving the truth. But not all of them. Some of them had been faithful, and some of them John found faithful to be walking in the truth, to be living in the truth, to be letting their lives shaped by the truth. And so... Uh, so he finds them, them faithful. These faithful believers, they didn't just take their fire insurance from hell and then go on living in worldliness. They were becoming more like Christ. They were being transformed day by day. There are plenty who claim to be Christians, but their talk does not line up with their walk. They, they, they say they're believers, but they're not living like it, and they're not walking in the truth. What an, an indictment on this church that he had to find some walking in the truth and not just see it openly, that the whole church was being faithful to the truth. But what an encouragement to those who were walking in the truth and were being faithful and to keep on being faithful. And so, uh, you know, we might read this, this verse, uh, John, you know, if we read it today, he might say, church family, I was excited to see some of you still being faithful to the Lord. That would have been John's feeling, is that he was excited that they were faithful to the truth, to this command that they had received from the Lord. He says um, in verse 4, uh, he found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. They received this command from God, from Jesus Christ. That word received there has the idea of accepting something. Something has been given and they have taken it. In other words, Jesus has given us this command, as we'll see, he's referring to the command to love one another. Jesus has given us this command to love one another, and some of them had received that command. They had made it a priority to obey that command, to keep that command to the best of their ability. They made the decision that they were going to love one another. And so that's our call as well as a church, and that's every pastor's passion, is that the church would love one another, that the church would edify one another, that they would serve one another, that they would walk in truth. And it's something that has to be received. Just because you're in the church doesn't mean you're walking in the truth or loving one another. It has to be received. It has to be personal. We have to take that responsibility for ourselves that we are going to love one another. We must decide to do that. The devil will seek to lead us astray 
to uh, lead us astray from keeping that command by whatever means necessary. He'll give us a love for the world that distracts us from loving one another. He'll give us a love for self and selfish desires and our pride that keep us from loving one another. The devil will use anything to keep us as a church from loving one another. Why? Because Christ said we're known as his followers by our love for one another. And if we aren't loving one another, the world outside of this church doesn't know that we're believers. They don't know that we're Christians. We might say it, but it's not evident. It's not apparent because we're not living in a love for one another. And so it's the passion of every pastor that the flock walk in truth and love one another. And that's our pastor's passion. That should be our passion as well. Not just the pastor's passion, but every church member's passion to walk in truth and to love one another. Number two, we see a pastor's plea. A pastor's plea here in verse five. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning that we love one another. So after praising those in the church for their faithfulness, we see his plea here, his um, urgent request to, be fa- to continue to be faithful, to, lo- to love one another. And this plea is not just for those who are faithful, though. This plea that John gives is for the whole church. It's for those who he didn't find walking in the truth. They were still in the church, and they needed to get back to this command to love one another. And so this command is for every believer, this request is for every believer to love one another. Whether you are loving one another or you're not, love one another. He's, he's, he beseeches them. He's urgently requesting them. It's, uh, he's, he's not demanding here, but it's, it's a request. And that's important to note, as we'll see in a second. Uh, but he asks them to love one another. Uh, perhaps there was division already in the church and they needed to start loving one another again. Or perhaps he was preparing those who were faithful for the attacks that would come on themselves to be tempted not to love one another. But either way, the command is to love one another uh, because the enemy wanted to see the church divided. Uh, The enemy uh, wanted them to attack each other. They needed to have tender hearts towards each other because the enemy did not have a tender heart towards them. And the enemy does not have a tender heart towards us. He hates us. The devil hates us and he wants us to hate each other. And so John writes here, he says in verse 5, um, he's, he writes that it's not a new commandment. He writes that it's an old commandment that they had from the beginning. Well, what's the beginning? He's talking about the beginning of the gospel. He's referring to the time when they, back to when they got saved. He's referring back to when Jesus gave the command while he was on the earth to love one another. It's not, it's not an old commandment, or it's, it's not a new commandment. It's an old commandment. This was not new information from, for the church, it was understood that to be a Christian meant to love one another. How could you be a part of a family that you did not love, that you did not care about? You can't. And John has already made that point. Back in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20, the Bible says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? It's such a central command to Christianity that to miss this command is to show that you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. David Guzek, in his commentary on this verse, he said this, The integrity of our Christian life can be measured by our love for one another. The more that you love the brethren, the more apparent, uh, the more it's obvious that you love the Lord. 
because you love the brethren. And the less we love the brethren, the more it is apparent that we do not know the love of the Lord in our life. That's the pastor's plea, to love one another. And it's, it's the plea of every pastor. It should be our, again, our passion, our desire, uh, that the congregation would love one another. It's a part of walking in the truth. If you say that you love the truth, you, you must have a love for the brethren. They are connected, love and truth. They cannot be separated. If you do not love the brethren, you, you do not know the truth. You're, you're living a lie. Those who are in the truth, um, those who are in the truth, those who are saved, they will not resist this request to love the brethren. They know it's right. They know they need to do it, and they will heed the request to love one another. Only Christ can give us this kind of love for the church. And so this plea is simply a call to an old command. It's not something John is making up in order to fix the problem that he sees. He is simply reminding them of what they know. He is reminding them to get back to the basics of Christianity. Sometimes we need to do that, don't we? Sometimes we just need to get back to the basics of Christianity. We get bogged down with what's going on in the world. We start hearing all of these different ideas. As Pastor preached this morning about uh, the Bible, and we get confused. Sometimes we just need to get back to what we know is true, to hold to the truth, and to love one another, and to serve one another. And that's where we'll see the greatest growth in our life, I think, is getting back to what we know and the basics. And a part of that is loving one another. And so we need to be reminded of this, this plea. Tonight we need to heed it for ourselves. And again, this idea of love, it's not this idea of the world's idea of love, this affectionate feeling, this emotion, but this kind of love is referring to a sacrificial service, a self-denial. Uh, it's a love where when we don't feel like loving somebody because they bother us or they annoy us or we don't like them, we serve them anyway. We, we help them anyway. We show them compassion anyway because we love our Lord and we know it's required of us and we want to please our Lord. And so John is not referring to having this funny feeling in our heart, but serving, uh, being sacrificial. And that is the love we need to have for one another. What are you doing to actively show love for the brethren? And I'm not just talking about words. It's easy to write a letter, and that's good, and we need to do that and, and tell each other we love one another. But what are you doing actively, serving, uh, to show your love for the brethren? Uh, we need to ask God for wisdom about how we can actively show our love for one another uh, by serving one another. What a revival that would be if every believer would make it a point every day to show love for their, their brethren their, the, and their sisters in the faith. Far too often, though, in churches, we see the opposite. We see infighting. We see cliques in churches. We see, group, we see gossip spread like wildfire. People come into the church and they side-eye each other, or we hear whispers of resentment. That is not loving one another, and that has no place in a church. It has no place in the life of a believer. Uh, and so that's a sign of a church that does not love one another, when we see those things uh, rampant and evident. And so this evening, we need to heed this plea to love one another, to sacrificially serve one another. Number three, and finally, we see a pastor's prescription. A pastor's prescription in verse six. The Bible says, And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. John answers a very important question here. We know 
that we are commanded to love one another. Well, how do we go about doing that exactly? John sums up the answer to this question in a simple way. To love one another um, is to walk after the commandments of Christ. It's to obey him. And some might say, well, John is just using circular, circular reasoning here. Uh, he says that we're commanded to love one another, and the way we love one another is to keep the commandments. It's not circular, though. It's a progressive growth as we obey the truth, and as we walk in the commandments, we begin to love one another more. And as we love one another more, we have a desire to keep on keeping those commandments. Uh, another thing that I want to mention is he writes it's, uh, it's an old, it's not a new commandment, it's an old commandment. That can, be, that can go all the way back to the Ten Commandments. When you look at the Ten Commandments, you can really split them up into two groups. The first section is our relationship to God, and the second set of command, Ten Commandments is our relationship with one another. We're not to have any idols. We're not to make any graven images. We're to love the Lord with all our, uh, with all our heart. And then the other commandments deal with our relationship with one another. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. It's our relationship with one another. And if, if we would simply keep those commandments, we would love one another. That's what John is saying here. Keep the commandments. If we want to love one another, we need to obey God. We need to obey the Lord. In other words, we can't, we can't say that we love somebody if we're in sin, if we're not obeying the Lord, if we uh, have a wrong attitude towards others. We say we love somebody, but in our heart, we, we are bitter against them, we despise them, we get angry at them. That's not loving them because we're not obeying the Lord and His commands. We see this today in some uh, progressive circles of uh, Christianity. Um, they are actually regressive, though. Uh, they teach that we can live according to our heart, passions, our feelings, and it doesn't matter as long as we are passionate about it, um, even though our desires are against the Word of God. Uh, we can live in sin as long as it's who we truly are. That's what they say. They won't say that out outwardly, but that's what they practice. Uh, and they lead us away from growth in the new life because we're not walking in the commands of our Lord. We're not obeying Him. We cannot grow if we do not obey the Lord. It's as simple as that. We need to obey Him. We need to follow Him. And so there, there are those. Uh, there are those who teach that in order to love effectively, we must compromise the truth. Uh, and of course, compromising the truth is the most unloving thing we can do. We need to be faithful to the truth and sharing the truth. Uh, in, in fact, we're going to look, next, I believe next week, we're going to look at this idea of not showing hospitality to those who are antichrist. That's one of the reasons John is writing this letter. There were those who were pretending to be uh, ministers of the truth, but they were teaching a false doctrine, and he tells them, don't let them in your house. Uh, be careful of showing hospitality to those who are actively against the truth. And so we need to hold to the truth and not compromise the truth if we're truly going to love one, one another. Uh, and, and so that's the pastor's prescription, to walk in the commands of Christ. His plea is that they love one another, and his prescription, how you're going to do that, is to obey the Lord. Look to his word. You need to know the word of God. You need to be in the word of God to know how you can best love uh, your church family, how we, how we can know how to love one another. And so it's a love that walks after the commands of God. Tonight, that's our call, uh, to love one another and obey His commands. 
We need to get to know this book, and we need to know what Christ expects of us as his children. When we live according to his commands, instead of our hearts, passions, um, we will begin to love each other the way Christ has called us to do. Would Christ rejoice in, in your life when he looks to see if you're loving the brethren? I can tell you right now, he already knows if you love the brethren as you should. Or would it grieve Christ to see our heart's attitude about a fellow believer? Would it grieve him? Uh, he already knows if we have this love as we ought to or not. And so tonight, we need to make it our desire uh, to grow in this love for one another. If we're not loving one another as we should, we need to make that right and ask for wisdom about how we can best love one another. And if we are, we need to continue to be faithful, just like those who John found in this church. Let's go ahead and pray this evening. Dear God, I thank you for your word.